Welcome, ladies and gents, to another episode of the Wrestling Connection podcast. We are here. Thank you very much for joining us. We're here to chat some more about the wacky world of professional wrestling. And who are we? We are, of course, your hosts for this excellent podcast. I shouldn't say excellent. That's, I shouldn't have said excellent. That's put so much pressure on us now. I am Chris. This is Glenn. And it has been a very interesting week. How are you feeling on this occasion, my dear friend? Dude, I have had the most... Um, stressful but in a good way kind of week so to sit down now uh with a drink in my hand and with a good friend on the other end of the line is uh, oh. a nice calming relief i tell you right go on then T- tell everybody what's happened then oh i bought, bought a house <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this like uh in your house from like 97 where yeah. like vince would give away a house or yeah did you actually buy one no, nah, I, I, first of all, I built the time machine to go back to 1997, and I, I right. did that when I realised they weren't giving away a house on Takeover. Uh, this, you know, a few right. couple months ago, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and then I, 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 but I specifically requested a house with a big glass window so that I could recreate, you know, Triple H phone Randy Orton through the glass, or you yeah. know, uh, <laughs> and just, just got a cameraman sitting outside ready to uh, capture it perfectly. I've actually requested that Kevin Kelly is outside wearing the kind of Raw's War bomber jacket at all times with nice. a microphone. Uh, and I'm also going to have like the nice kind of lush chair. Because you know that Austin, Brian Pillman, uh, Austin's got a gun sketch. Yeah. Don't that's you what I was think, just thinking about. Don't you think the chair Pillman had looked really comfy? Like, that's I, don't, um, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, he didn't look very comfortable. You wouldn't be if the bionic redneck was outside your house brandishing a weapon. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I, I think, you know, so that's kind of what I'm going to model the new house. And none of this have ran okay. by my wife. But uh, yeah, it's been an eventful week for me. Uh, and we're now facing a whole new series of problems, but good problems. You know, the kind of problems that come with making that big move and so we have to sell the place that we're in and we have to do all these grown-up things and, you know, tidy and pack mm. up. And uh, I hate to tell you this, Chris, but it's meant that I've had to make some cost-cutting measures. And one thing I am proud of, Chris, is that I consider myself very much uh, like Mick Foley and Owen Hart and I'm very tight with my money, <laughs> very uh, frugal. Yeah. Uh, and it's meant that I've cut my subscription to the network. I've cut my inside the ropes patreon i've caught the ad free thing on itv hub so that i can watch dynamite ad free so i've caught a few things just because i just thought like the wwe is already giving away so much content for free like on youtube right now so i'm definitely going to sign up again to the network especially if we were to yeah. do like a watch along or something but i for the next few months i'm going to try and go without it and just get my wrestling fix through like freely available stuff like like dynamite every week or uh like all the like that's the thing like raw and smackdown so much of it is just on youtube like they give you the it's best crazy stuff, you know so yeah i feel like i feel like for the next few months despite my now new standing my new position as podcast host extraordinaire uh i feel like i can get away with it <laughs> God, i can't believe you've cancelled your network what are you gonna do how are you gonna <laughs> watch thursday and two I know I'm gonna just it's just on hold. I'm just gonna uh I just because it's the summer holidays now and I'm not working as much, I'm doing a little bit of work for uh for, for work over the summer, but not not huge amounts. I feel like I'm just gonna try and like not just not do not have it in the background. I've been gaming so much recently as well. Like mm. so we'll we'll just see. We shall see. Well, listen, if you're sitting about and you're bored and you're thinking, I just want to watch some wrestling, give me a shout. I'll let you borrow my network subscription for like maybe 45 minutes or something. But that's fine. You can use mine if you want. Nice one. I can um, watch the Hell in a Cell match between Shawn Michaels and Triple H in that time. 
<laughs> no, only one match. Would you not want to watch like um, The Rock versus Big Boss Man from Survivor Series '98, where he beats him in like five seconds? You can watch loads you of them. Watch that. Now, there's a mass problem. This is what we need in the Scottish education curriculum. If you only had one hour to watch the bo- Big Boss Man versus The Rock at Survivor Series 1998, how many times <laughs> can you watch it in 60 minutes? That would get kids stimulated into their numeracy. Between that and The Rock versus Eric Rowan from WrestleMania 32. <laughs> Best match ever. I love that match. <laughs> I love the fact that like they've got Eric Rowan has wrestled The Rock. <laughs> no, he hasn't. And, but technically speaking... Eric Rowan can say he had the Rock's last match. There you go. Do you, that's a good question. That's a nice wee segue. Do you think we'll ever see the Rock in the ring again? Uh, I would love that. I, I'm sure he could do it, and I would love to see it, it because he can. Like the, I know the guy is, is he 50 now or he's nearly there, but he no, he's not 50 yet. He's he's 47 right he's, now. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, in his 40s. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, that guy, you know, is always going to be this physical specimen. He's got, uh, and he's a great athlete. Would I love to see it? Absolutely. Will we see it? God, I don't know, because he, he nothing he has done in the last 10 years in wrestling has been done because he needs to do it, you know? It's become well, from his love and passion for it. I just wonder, because he got quite badly injured in that last match with Cena, I just wonder if that would put him off doing it again because that injury in the WrestleMania 29 match was seen have really screwed up his filming commitment, you know? And That's so right, it's one yeah. thing for him to say, oh, I've got these two months free to do something in WWE. But that means that he's taking two months to do that as opposed to taking other film work where someone else can do his stunts for him. Um, and at the age he's at now, can you blame him for not maybe wanting to do it? And Cena's in the same position. You know, it's almost a, a miracle in the way that the... I, I do, you know, I wondered about this, like with with Cena, like he came back to do that stuff with Bray, and with with the uh, Firefly Funhouse match being what it ended up being, it couldn't have been better for Cena because there was no, like, very little risk of him sustaining an injury in that yep. kind of production. But then you've got to think, what if WrestleMania had happened? What if Mania had happened in a stadium? How would we look at Undertaker and AJ and Cena and Bray now? And I know you were asking me about The Rock, but you know that surely there would have been a much greater risk of Cena having injury and then there being disruption to his um, uh, film career. And that's the thing, like insurance insurers in the film industry, and I can only imagine, do not take kindly to the prospect of their big stars put themselves into a dangerous environment. So before we we, we speculate about WrestleMania in a non-COVID parallel universe, to answer your question with The Rock. I think it's possible, but I wouldn't be shocked if it never happened. I think now that his daughter's, you know, rising up the ranks, maybe we'll see yep. something like that. It'd be really cool to see an intergender tag match. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Uh, like uh, like Rock yeah. and his, his daughter versus, you know, maybe another... Rick Flair and Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> definitely not Flair and Charlotte. Charlotte, possibly, but not Flair. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, but the, just to kind of you know then move on to like uh, another point of speculation i just wonder what wrestlemania those those two most memorable matches from wrestlemania your your taker your aj your cena your bray i just wonder what that would have looked like in the arena i'm sure cena and bray would have had a good match but then you yep. wonder would taker have that closure that he now has well god i don't know it's so weird to think about because obviously i wanted it in the stadium of course you did um but obviously, the way that it all worked out, I think, helped those two matches, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it helped a lot of the other matches on the show get more time. Because realistically, yeah. when they have 12, 12 matches on the show, at least one of them is either cut 
one of them's got two minutes, you know, three of the title matches end up on the pre-show and it's just a bit weird. Um, Taker and AJ, I'm sure they would have had a a nice little match, but I don't think it would have been as well received as the Boneyard match was. I think um, Bray and Cena would have been a lot, you know, along the lines of this Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins stuff maybe where it was like Mm. Bray was just not being affected by anything and Bray wins in five minutes or something I don't know but it just would have been a really strange show and then you think about other matches on that show like Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch the reason people were I actually thought the match was really good but people were slating the match it's good Becky Lynch was pregnant for one thing um, but like, could they have had their main match? You know, if it if it was like the opener of the actual show, or even Charlotte and Rhea Ripley, like that was a great match, and it was on for like nearly twenty minutes or something. Would the mm. NXT Women's Title get twenty minutes on WrestleMania? You know, so I don't know. Um, it's weird to think about, and it's I weird think, to think about next year's WrestleMania. You know, yeah, I mean, and that, this is the thing. If you look at how badly hit Florida is right now, again, and you know, my family in California were just telling me that. You know, they they had their restrictions eased, and now everything is shut down again where they are because of more outbreaks. That's right. So, um, to 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 assume that this will be all safe and we can put seventy thousand people in a stadium by next God. spring, that's a huge huge assumption. Because you remember when this started, we all thought, oh well, by SummerSlam they'll be back in the ring in the stadium yep. in the arena, right? And we all thought that the I whole remember, thing would be a SummerSlam. Speaking to, I remember speaking to you. Before we went to that pavilion show, right before lockdown struck, I remember telling you, like, I bet they'll do WrestleMania in a stadium. Like, I, I just assumed it would happen, you know? Yeah, you said that was going to be the big exception. There might be masks, there might even be distancing, but that was going to happen in the stadium. Uh, it was just inconceivable to think that they could make it work in any other way. Uh, but, you know, I just, that this is it. Like, you know, you've got to think that they're looking at every possible contingency and they're looking to see if they can predict which state might be less hit and so if they can even do a wee arena to do WrestleMania next year. That's a possibility. You know, the kind of arenas that they would yeah, run could, impact in or something. Yeah, could we see the return of the WrestleMania in, the, in an arena sort of thing, like WrestleMania 14 or 22 mm. or one of those ones where it was in Chicago or whatever, or even Madison Square Garden or something. It could be in there socially distant and it really really it's so it's so interesting to think what it's going to look like you know we're so used to wrestling now the way it looks in the performance center mm-hmm. but then when we get back to normal quote unquote it's not going to be your usual packed house sellout crowd they're going to need to do the distancing thing um will we get used to seeing fans in the crowd wearing masks will that be an exception you know are you allowed to take your mask off during the matches i don't know like how it's so weird to think it's kind of the same way as what you were saying there about thinking about wrestlemania not in a stadium. You can't picture it, but when it happens, it will become the norm for a while, you know? Uh, yeah, and and then think about what the impact this will have on the talent that we see in the ring. Who knows when Roman Reigns will be able to return? Do you know oh, what I mean? Like, man, I know. Like, and yeah. you think about people where people are, you know, and, you know, at time of recording, we've had this unfortunate news about uh, Rusev and, and Lana and mm-hmm. Lana's parents. And obviously, I think I speak for both of us when we say that we really hope everyone comes out of that healthy and, and, and safe. Yeah. But, like, it's just, you know, the thing is, they can make all these plans. Say they plan out their main event for next WrestleMania, but then they need to have a backup plan because what if something happens? Like, they had to, you know, they, they had to sub in Braun Strowman very last minute to replace Roman <laughs> Reigns. You know, they need to think about, well, what do we do if, if they, there's an outbreak, which we've already seen happening in the WWE recently. So it's, uh, it's weird to think that, you know, that this isn't necessarily going to be over, particularly in the States where they, they seem to be having a particularly tough time with it you know with different yeah. states having, you know quite bad outbreaks 
you know, we're kind of lucky that we're getting back to somewhat normality just now where shops are fully open again um, and like hairdressers and barbers are opening today. Thank oh the my Lord. God, Chris, I'm uh, getting my hair cut tomorrow and I can't wait to get rid of my mullet. <laughs> have you have you booked an appointment or are you just going to go in? No, it's booked. Um, I, I booked like a, 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 a very posh. I go to a salon, darling. Um, <laughs> uh, and so I haven't had my haircut obviously since like March or February. Let or me something neither. Like that. Oh god, it's a mess. And it's horrible. My, mine is redonkulous, and so it's. Uh, no, I saw you. I saw you on your YouTube channel with your sister talking about Harry Potter, and didn't you? Didn't yeah. your hair didn't look too too bad at all? You know. Well, I mean, uh, that's nice for you to say, but when I watch those videos back, I go, okay, good. I managed to get four videos done in the one go oh my god look at my hair <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh, it's, it's that i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to getting my, my hair done yeah, tomorrow no, totally. be, um, you need to you need to send us a picture we'll put it on the socials i'll do it before um, and after yeah <laughs> well how did you feel about the response last week to the not only the q a but also the the sean michael story was that was that nice to kind of finally get off your chest it was um i <laughs> it was um I've had a couple of people text me about it. Uh, say they didn't know or they didn't realize or they'd forgotten that I, that had happened. Uh, it was good to tell the story. I enjoyed it. It's one of, it, you know, embarrassing as it was, it was one of the funnier wrestling memories. Folks, if you've not heard last week's episode, uh, Chris and I talk about our two separate encounters with Shawn Michaels at different events, different days. And uh, mm-hmm. mine is very embarrassing. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Go back and listen to it because it's, uh, it's worth a listen, I think, if you want to laugh at my expense. Definitely, it's uh, a <laughs> laugh at your expense. It's definitely a good laugh. It's one of my favourite stories that we've told here, but also on the episode that I really liked was the Q and A session that we did at the end. For the well, I say the end, we did it for like four or five minutes, but and um, we answered a bunch of questions uh, that you guys sent in, and we greatly appreciate that. And I think it was nice to kind of see a more kind of uh, casual side to us, not always strictly talking about the thing at hand. We're kind of talking about some non-wrestling stuff, some plans yeah, that we have cool. going forward. So episode 13 was the last one, obviously, because this is episode 14. Can you believe it? And, yeah. Uh, that, uh, was, that was the, fa- the fan one. It's, uh, it's this is number 14, so it's 1998, and it's uh, Sean, and, uh, Sean and Austin in the main event. This is this is a, a good one. That, that was kind of like a gritty WrestleMania, wasn't it? it was kind of, That's what I was just thinking about. What a weird WrestleMania that is, because it's like, it's, I mean, there's so much buzz around, obviously, with Tyson there and stuff like that. Yeah. But like when I think back to it, there's nothing that really jumps off the page. Yeah, I always mm. thought that The Rock and Ken Shamrock's matches were really boring. Um, yeah. I think Undertaker and Kane have a really good match that gets overlooked, but it's a real kind of gimmicky match because Kane is like still unbeatable sort of thing, but Taker just pulls mm. it out. I don't know. Um, but well, I think I also I think Austin and Michael's in the main event is really good, but Austin doesn't like it. I can tell why he doesn't like it because it's maybe not the coronation that he hoped for because like you know sean wasn't in the best headspace and stuff and maybe he felt that they it is a good match but he austin's probably right in saying that they probably could have had a better match if sean wasn't injured and do you know what I mean because you think about that's a real yeah. dream match austin and hogan and uh, to my knowledge it only ever happened that once um and so austin and mike who's you mean Oh, yeah, sorry, did I say Hogan? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that 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 is a shame. But to be honest, you know, he main of it many and he bought to the champion and it was the kind of the kickstart to his um, iconic run of his dominance in the roster. So I don't think he can be too sorry about it. It's uh, I think it's mental to think that he still has that winged eagle belt in a safe in his house. Oh, does he really? That's yeah, the really actual cool. belt that he won that night, well, you know, because he was the last guy to hold him. Um, right, you mentioned yeah, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned Kane and Taker. You know, what I didn't realize until yesterday. I saw a video about this. Kane was the first person to kick out the tombstone, and it was happened in that show. 
No one had ever That's kicked right, out yeah. before. I had no idea about that. Like Taker had been on the roster for eight years at that point, and not even I, wow. I assumed I assumed that Hogan had kicked out of it, but he didn't. Yeah, I just thought that when you said that, I thought maybe it was Hogan. But there was a story that Undertaker told on a podcast this past month. Now he's doing all these interviews and stuff because of the last ride. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it, but he was talking about Hogan on one of them, and uh, how him and Hogan have never really seen eye to eye, and he's not like <laughs> a big of a fan of Hogan as a person. Um, and I love how Taker just doesn't care. He'll just say it because why? You know, who cares? It's Undertaker, you know. I mean, if, um, if, so if Undertaker I'd, rubs you the wrong way in an interview, really, what are you going to do about it? I mean, what are you going to exactly, do? That's what I mean. <laughs> what are you going to do, brother? Um, so, do you remember Survivor Series nineteen ninety one? Yeah, ninety one when he beat Hogan for the title. Yeah, uh, I remember it was on that Tombstone DVD, and then he loses it two days later at Tuesday in Texas for some reason. I don't know why, but. Because it didn't work for him, brother. Anyway, um, so Hogan apparently walks in during the day of Survivor Series and he says he's really, really uncomfortable taking the tombstone. I don't want to take your finish. I don't want to take your finish. I have no problem putting you over, brother, but I'm not taking the tombstone. And Taker's like, trust me, it'll be all right. Don't worry. I'll look after you. I've been doing this for a long time. Like, especially because it's Hogan, you, know, you need to be extra careful. Yeah. I've got you. Don't worry about it. Hogan's like, right, right, right. Okay, right, okay. So in the match, they go for it, and I remember that like Flair comes out and puts the chair down, and they were kind of setting up for Flair and Hogan, which never happened. Yeah. And uh, Taker hits him with the tombstone on the chair, and Hogan's head couldn't be further off the ground. Like, mm. it's a good five foot away from the ground. And Taker says when he put Hogan down, Hogan's like, oh, oh, you hurt me, brother. Oh, you hurt me, you hurt me. And like he was going backstage, and he was crying, and he was like shouting at Vince and stuff, saying, like, you can't let people be dangerous like that. And Jesus. Taker said that was the day that he went, Okay, maybe this guy isn't always cracked up to be. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I was like, Hogan of all people, the biggest star. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but Hogan is also known for being like one of the biggest divas in wrestling and one of the biggest. Oh, absolutely. Altogether, you know, it's like I, the Hogan for me now in wrestling is is this weird dichotomy in that it's kind of like Ultimate Warrior as well. In that I do love the character, like like the character that's portrayed in television. Uh, is they're both iconic, aren't they? Like, and you can see why yeah. they're so loved. But the the men behind those characters, the the terrible and uh, what was well, Warrior was just Warrior in the end. Jim Helwig, Jim Helwig, yeah. Like they they are questionable men with questionable values and very questionable track records. And uh, you know, there's there's far too many people that have far too many bad things to say about them and that's not even getting into the stuff that's out there on record like the, the terrible things that hogan has said and warrior has said but i suppose that's the whole point of wrestling connecting is like there's all this divisive stuff that those guys have spewed out over the years but what connects us is our, i suppose our love for the characters that they portrayed and those characters are timeless yeah well i don't know how we got into that but there you go um hogan, you asked me um, if the rock would ever wrestle again <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna that's right. Right at the start of lockdown, The Rock was doing like Instagram live things where he was like yeah. just doing taking questions from fans and stuff and he was drinking his tequila and whatever, right? And I loved him because I don't know what it is, right? You look at me, you hear me talk, you see me, you have a conversation with me. You know I'm like the complete opposite to The Rock and always, right? But I admire him greatly. Oh, come on, Chris. Um, so <laughs> I can't even do the eyebrow. I'm trying to do it now. I can't even do it. But with the wait, tattoos wait, wait, on the arm. Rewind, rewind. How can you call yourself a wrestling fan? Did you didn't train yourself in front of a mirror for hours when you were a child to do the people's eyebrow? Like I did? Yes. I, I did. raised my eyebrow at pupils now. And every, time I do, every time I raise my eyebrow to a pupil now, I think of the rock. Because my sister can do it. I can do it. Well, I mean, your sister's more of a wrestling fan than you, I'm sorry. That's true. That's true. That's true. 
No, that's sad. She could maybe come down and do this podcast. Um, what was it? Ah, yeah, so he was doing this Instagram live thing and uh, he was taking questions and one of the questions was, could The Rock versus Roman Reigns ever happen? And uh, he was basically saying, it could absolutely happen. Roman Reigns is my family. I would love to do it. I love wrestling. But then he kind of takes this long pause and he kind of thinks about how he's going to word this next sentence. And he goes, the business would have to be right. And he just started laughing. <laughs> like, this is it. going to need to be a good amount of money for that to happen. I mean, it would have to be. But the thing is, The Rock is worth it. And, and that's the other thing. I think if he was to come back, that's the match. That's the match we've got to see. 100%. Uh, and it has to be totally passing of the torch. And you go into it knowing that Roman has to win it and will win it. But you want to see the story told and you want to see, like, because those two guys, I think, and I mean, I, say, I mean this in the highest, most complimentary sense, but they're very theatrical wrestlers, the way that they engage mm-hmm. the audience, the way that they have their routines, you know, with Roman doing the Superman punch stuff and The Rock with, like, everything that he exudes with his charisma. Yeah. Uh, People's that, elbow and that, stuff. Absolutely, like the story could write itself, and part of me, the, the match would, uh, I'm sure, would it would be impossible for it to disappoint unless somebody got hurt in the match. That's the only risk. But yeah, fair play, mm-hmm. the rock the business would have to be right. But I, do you honestly think Vince McMahon for a minute would would miss out on that opportunity? Maybe like right now he would have reservations with the amount of money yeah. that they were trying to cut. But like if you can put the Rock and Roman at the headline of WrestleMania. Even if it costs you millions of dollars, then I'm sorry. Like yeah. if you don't if you don't book that match, then you're stupid. Uh, it's a dream match for me, absolutely. But now you look at what's going on just now in wrestling and the PC and stuff. They're saying they've already scrapped two SummerSlam matches because Edge was going to be in one and Lesnar was going to be in one, and they're thinking like we should maybe keep them healthy and stuff until there's a crowd and that. You know, I I just don't know when that's going to be. So um, hopefully um, one day down the line, the Rock yeah. and Reigns will have a, a nice match. I think that's okay for Edge and Lesnar. Like you know, Ed- Edge should be. Th- like an, a special attraction and uh so if we don't see him for quite a while that's fine with me and because lesnar's not holding the title right now he's the same he'll he'll always be the same attraction he can disappear for a long time you know he doesn't need yeah. to wrestle i don't think he would want to wrestle in the performance center to be honest yeah i feel like when i think about lesnar anytime i think about him going to ufc again I always get really defensive i'm like no like he had this ufc time he's one of us now but now like since he, he did he had such a great run he put so many people over he um, passed the torch to a bunch of folk. He had great matches with people like Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles and people who you would never imagine Lesnar to have a good match with, Finn Balor being another one. Now it's like, okay, you, <laughs> you've done good, Lesnar. Feel free to do whatever you want. So you can come back whenever. I don't mind. I don't mind. This is it. Um, but I have a question for you, Chris. Go on then. What have you been watching this week in wrestling? I was going to ask you that. I was going to think, did you manage to catch any wrestling, even though you've cancelled your subscription? Well, um, but you know, did you want me to answer that, or shall you answer the? Yeah, question? Yeah, no, go on, go for it. Go, tell, tell well, me, tell me what you what you've seen. Well, it's not actually. You're right. I mean, apart from like perusing like the kind of weekly stuff on YouTube from from yeah. Ron SmackDown and Dynamite and whatnot, like I've not so much watched wrestling, but I have done a bit of listening to things, uh, mm. and I've uh, I've been listening to some old theme songs, and I got thinking about the old uh, Monday Night Raw theme uh, in the Attitude Era. You know the one? Yeah, of course. The famous one. There you go. So, you know, that that one's a, a classic and it's called Thorn in Your Eyes. And uh, the, the, the weird thing is that it's the lyrics to that song. Have you ever actually sat down to try and read them? No, but they did not do like a thing on Confidential or something where they tried to get people to guess the words. That No, I think that was on like SNL. I think that was like a mainstream thing. Oh really? Um, All right. Uh, so I'm trying to find the actual 
uh, way that they would use it. So this is the edit that they would uh, use on telly, right? Right. Do you want to guess at all? Like, oh, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so the first bit goes, stop the beat. And, it, no. and, and it's something, the soul of me. No? Yeah, that part you've got. Do you want, uh, let me read you these. This is poetry, okay? Go for it. It's my life in the box in front of me. Really? Taking, yep. It's my life in the box in front of me. Taking junk in my arms is the soul of me. Real okay. You walk by, eyes can see me laying face down. Come on for your mind, buy your alibi full time. I am walking on stones and glass. When I reach out my hand, I know you can't stand me for what I am, but once but once I had it all, all your holy things, angels without wings. And then uh, and so then the bit that you hear in the thing is um um but I got to maintain too much dark and not enough sky. Why am I the foreign? Why am I the foreign? In your eye! In your eye! So where did you get these lyrics from? It's just on the internet. <laughs> it's really like, like, are they the official lyrics? Yeah, behind my eyes, arrogance and strength, I seek my courage and try to maintain. Everything in the room is breaking at me. Freedom in a cage. I want to break free. Too much dark and not enough sky. Why am I the thorn in your eye? Too much dark and not enough sky. I have lost again, but I gotta maintain too much dark and not enough sky. Why am I the thorn in your eye? You just know the surface. You don't care what's inside. I show you my colors. You just see black and gray. You're making fun of me. As you walk by, I reach out my hand you smile and you watch me cry too much dark and not enough sky why am i the thorn in your eye too much dark and not enough sky i have lost again but i gotta maintain too much dark and not enough sky why am i the thorn in your eye it's my life in the box in front of me taking junk at my arms of the soul of me you walk by and my eyes can't see me laying face down come on for your mind buy your alibi full time i am walking on stones and glass when i reach out my hand i know you can't stop for what I am, but once I had it all, all your holy things, angels without wings. That was like V two though. That was like the second, like the original one with Austin walking through like the war zone. Um, that was like at the start of the Attitude Era, and then that version you played, um, is like version two because on my match of the week, which we're going to get into, Ooh. is from the Raw where that. Intro debuted in '98, which is kind of funny. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's a good uh, a good segue. But I'm curious to know what you've been watching this week because that's all I've done is try to guess lyrics <laughs> for the whole week. You know, one of my favorite things we've done on the show actually is when I press shuffle on Spotify and we just saw what theme song came on. Right, let's do it again. Hang on. Okay, Spotify, the wrestling playlist. Let's see. You need to predict what theme song is going to come on when I press shuffle. Right. Okay. Well, do I need to predict it? Yeah, predict it. Uh, okay, it's going to be, uh, I'm going to go for Booyaka, Puddle of Mud. Mm. No, no, not Puddle of Mud, P-O-D. No, P-O-D, that's P- yeah. P-O-M. <laughs> P-O-D, Booyaka. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, the classic Big Boss Man theme song, ready? 
let's go. Oh, and that's fate. Yeah, SummerSlam. Yeah. Fate's theme song. What's next? What's next? Uh, next uh, up is That's No Chance. Yeah. Right, go guess one more and then we'll move on. <laughs> uh, okay, well, the next one is going to be He's a Man by Stephen Regal. Okay, good He's one. Let me think something really obscure. It's going to be uh, the core, the core theme song. Here we go. Ah, okay. Oh, that's uh, that's Pax AEW theme song. Great theme song. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> so underrated. I love my team. Now, what did you to speak about lyrics? What did you think that said when you were younger? Uh, I still think it is one cell. Is this on? Apparently it goes, it's one, two, this on. One, two, the song. I thought it was like, just a random word. Which just that made up a word and just said that. make any sense at all. The other one is one, the Jericho two, theme is weird. Two. Yeah, baby, I'll be your Judas and your priest. Which is, again, <laughs> which is ironic because of his theme song now. What have I been watching this week? Uh, it's not as mental as usual I've been watching some 2009 stuff I watched SummerSlam 2009 which is a good show great show um, and there is two just amazing main events in that show John Cena Randy Orton for the WWE mm-hmm. title and Jeff Hardy CM Punk in the TLC match for the world title that's right um, and I loved how the TLC match went on last because it was the return of The Undertaker and that was kind of what sent the, the crowd home happy but I don't know if anybody who is a diehard listener of the Wrestling Connection we remember a couple weeks ago, one of my uh, Match of the Week suggestions was Orton versus Cena from No Way Out 2008, right? And I basically said, like, the reason this match is so good is because it's so electric. There's a big buzz about it. Mm. Uh, the crowd are completely 50-50, um, which was really, really nice to see. This one here it is just as electric. The crowd actually probably leaning towards Orton in this one. It's maybe maybe 60-40. I don't mm-hmm. know, but it's, it's a really good one. And just the buzz and the electricity in, in the arena is mental. It's the staple Center. Which is like a, a, a really, you know, well respected venue and that sort of thing. Classic moments have happened there. So they just have this great match, and Orton is trying to do all these different things to try and get disqualified, counted out, or whatever, to try and have him retain the title. So he does that thing where he slaps the ref and pushes the ref down, and they call for the disqualification. And then uh, Lillian Garcia gets on the mic and she tries to announce that. Like, uh, okay, so it, it, Mr. McMahon has just told me that there's now no disqualifications and the match has to restart. But she gets like, really muddled with her, vo- with her words, a bit like I did. <laughs> so she like she gets all mixed up and stuff and it's just like, it's so confusing. No one has the first clue what's going on. And the commentators are trying to tell you what's happening. And then Orton tries to get counted out. Same thing happens. Um, and then, I don't know, something, something else happens in terms of he tries to run away and Cena goes after him. And then Cena puts him in the STF and then a fan, quote-unquote, jumps on top of the referee and uh, everybody kind of backs off and stuff and we're thinking that it's, a, it's this mad real thing that's happened. Like a, someone in the front rows jumped in and gotten involved. Yeah. But it turned out it was actually Ted DiBiase's brother, <laughs> Brett DiBiase, which oh, we never brilliant. saw again. Um, so he comes in, he he takes out the referee and then when Cena is distracted, he turns around and gets the RQ and Orton wins the match. But you know the way it was like a, such a good story, like Orton trying to get all these different ways and it was like he had loads of backup plans. And even if all yeah. these things didn't work, we'd still have Ted's brother jump in and try and save him the title. So that was really good. Man, I loved uh, I loved 
Our angle and Eric Angle uh, in uh, was it Survivor Series? Oh, yeah. Do you remember when Eric Angle and they did that again a few years later when Angle was bald and Eric was bald? Are you with Lesnar? That's right. That's right. Uh, I used to. I love that. I love that whole switcheroo idea. And you know the Bella Twins used to do it as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of that angle. I like the no, no pun intended. I like the Undertaker and, and Angle win at Survivor Series 2000 where he last raided them. And uh, it was like, how could you not tell that wasn't Kurt Angle? His brother's so much bigger than him and taller and heavier. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's funny. Can I tell you what's uh, weird about... Sorry to keep interrupting you, Chris. I really am. No, please. That, that Survivor Series match. What's going on with Undertaker's trousers? You, oh, my you, God. I always thought that. I've never been able to figure that one out. It's wearing, like, tiger print trousers, which he never wore to get where it's a leopard. It's like stripes. It's like stripes. Yeah. Leopard. Yeah. It's, no, it's like, it's, it's like leopard print. It's a bit like Joe Exotic. Yeah, and it's just so weird. Like you never ever would ever wear anything like that again. And this is not the Undertaker. No, he, he was asking I to mean, lose that much. I know. About Vince took one look at that and told him never again. Like it was the same with um with Roman Reigns, but he wore his trainers one night. Remember? I think he wrestled no. Roman, and he, he just wore trainers instead of wrestling boots. I think. Let's see what pay per view was that. I did wrestling know memory. Wrestling memory. Don't film me. I think it was Fastlane. Mm-hmm. One year, I may have been fast lane seventeen or eighteen, and it was uh, Reigns versus Strowman. It was the same show that Goldberg won the title from Kevin Owens, and uh, Reigns comes out wearing just like Nike trainers instead of wrestling boots, and Vince was like, "Nah, put your boots back on." I mean, I'm just looking at was, uh, You can't really tell. I mean, it's it's they're, they're like black, so they go with his gear. Yeah, and I think it's just because it had like white soles or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one was uh, Daniel Bryan wore like this sort of. Okay, in a gardening jacket one time uh, and he looked a bit like a lumberjack and Vince told him never again so Vince just has these things about Geary I guess he has to approve them first and then has to say yeah that's fine I remember watching the This Is My Yard DVD and like there was a clip of that match on there and I was thinking what's Undertaker wearing? <laughs> you know like Vince himself had weird wrestling attire over the years because he like you know he had the the kind of the first time he ever wrestled Austin on Raw, he just had his or at the Royal Rumble '99, maybe it was. He just had his like top off, showing off his physique. That's and right. Then, yeah. Then he would have like the the, the kind of WrestleMania 17 gear with the kind of the red sleeves poking out of the black kind of top. Yeah, like and, a wee sweater vest sort of thing. Yeah, and that that was always weird. Uh, he, then he he had the, the the kind of the black sort of uh, straps which he had when he wrestled Hogan when he really looked like That's a right. proper muscle man and those ones like a proper bodybuilder. Um, then, do you remember briefly in two thousand and six he would wear this red top, just bright red top, and he um he wrestled Triple H on Raw in two thousand six during the whole DX McMahon's angle, wearing that bright really? red top. Yeah, like on Raw, uh, and it's just it just looks so weird because I just see him as a guy who wears dark colors in the ring. So to see him wearing this bright kind of garish red thing, uh, but then again, it was like in the last ride. Remember when when Taker went to his office and then he comes out from the gym and he's wearing like a Taz top. He's wearing like a, an orange t shirt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. God, we mentioned Taz at least twice on every episode. It's great. Well, he deserves uh, it. He does. We love Taz. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I've, I also just started Breaking Point 2009. The only time I did Breaking Point. Um, and it was like Your a submission-themed pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the three main events were all submission matches. Just weird. Like I, I, I like submission matches, but like... <laughs> I don't think Vince does, but then three no. of the main events, it was like Punk and Taker, Orton and Cena in an I Quit match, and then it's DX and Legacy in a, a, a Submissions Count Anywhere match. And remember that in that one, it's in Montreal, and it's the Taker and Punk thing, and, and Punk puts them in the Anaconda Vice, and they recreate the Montreal screw job. 
No, I don't remember this at all. Yeah, they do it. Obviously, it's worked, obviously, but like Teddy Long comes out and tells him to ring the bell and Punk runs away with the title. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why do they still hold on to this? I mean, I think it's bad that like the fans still hold on to it. Like when Shawn Michaels comes out in Montreal, it just gets so much abuse. <laughs> I don't know why. It was so many years ago and it happened and whatever, you know? How it's many just- years ago was that? I just hate how often they've they've tried to use that for an angle. I mean, Survivor Series '98, they did it, and then yep. like they've done it a few times. You know, with either using Shawn Michaels for it or making Vince McMahon screw over people with it. Um, it's just weird. I mean, and God, you know, Vince McMahon versus Bret at WrestleMania that was a huge disappointment for me. Yeah, um, I've never watched it again. Like after I watched it the first time, never seen it again because I was like, it's not that. I can't say at the time I thought it was really, really bad. I'm sure I did, but um, just because it went on for about eight hours, remember? Yeah, I did. It was far too long for you know two guys who just couldn't wrestle. Uh, and do you know what's weird about that is that Brett actually brought his gear to WrestleMania that year, like his wrestling gear. His a uh, oh, really? yeah, because the WWE.com were publishing like a a diary that uh, Brett, like a video diary of following him around sort of thing in the days leading up to WrestleMania and they, they took a picture of his bag and you, he had his gear and they were they were writing about it and so then when he came out with his like sports top on and his jorts it was really kind of underwhelming I was wanting to see the gear one more time but maybe yeah. he just wasn't in the right shape for it but it's a it's a shame that that's I can understand why he wanted to do it and have the closure after the kind of the stuff of Goldberg and WCW but you know, I just, I just wish. Yeah. I actually think the best thing that Brett did post retirement was that SummerSlam uh, match. You know, the 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 ten man tag with the Nexus, Daniel Bryan one, yeah, yeah. Like he actually had some good offense in that match. He was only in the ring for a few minutes, wasn't he? But he actually had a, a little bit of old Brett there. That's a really interesting match. I remember I couldn't believe that Daniel Bryan was this, the mystery partner. I remember mm, they kept yeah. building up there as a mystery partner and stuff because he, he had gotten fired for choking Justin Roberts, right? Mm-hmm. And then he returned to the indie scene. Like, I remember that was a time where I was really into indie wrestling. And they did like a match uh, in PWG against Roderick Strong where like he would get into the ring and everybody would throw ties at him, you know? Because I was yeah. like, there was no thing. <laughs> uh, so I was like, all right, well, Daniel Bryan's got like now a career sorted for him because of this thing. Yeah. He's now he's now the cool guy that got fired, you know. And mm. then like two weeks later, he's back at SummerSlam. I, I remember being whatever age I was, and I was just absolutely gobsmacked that he came out because they built up as if it was like a big main eventer, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Then it was him. So it was that was great. Did you ever have the the Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart sit down interview they did with GR in Montreal? Uh, I don't think I owned it, but I've seen it quite a few times because I think before the network there were like WWE titles on Netflix, and I'm pretty sure oh, um, like, this is like seven or eight years ago. Like this is like before Netflix was even as mainstream as it is now. Right, uh, okay. And that was one of the things that was on Netflix, and uh, yeah, that's that's amazing to watch. That's like really fascinating really good, for any wrestling any wrestling fan. I think it's still on the I network. You know where to look at. You know where to find it. Yeah, I think I think it's still on there. I've not seen it in a long time, but I remember when I watched it, I was like, "That's one of the best ones I've ever done." And it's it's like very, it's not the the usual documentary or whatever. You know, there is sort of documentary clips in there, but it is, the majority of it's a shoot interview. The WWE would never do, you know. What I mean, yeah. just sitting and talking about it. So that's a really good one. Um, but so you know, looking for something extra that, to watch. The marketing for that made me feel like they were building up to be like a series, and I just thought, wouldn't it be great if they could like do the same thing with Rock and Austin? You know what I mean? I just yeah, thought maybe that was going to be the, yeah. the first in a few. And then I had these big visions that uh, down the line they could do like Punk and Brian, and they could do, I mean, that could still potentially happen. Uh, 
you know, there's always these rumors about what Punk may do next, but something like that, he could easily do a sit down interview, I'm sure, like even for WWE. Um, yeah. And uh, like, there, you know, Trish and Lita, like there was, there were so many possibilities, oh, yeah. you know, that they could have made for that. And the format seems like they, they could easily resurrect that format for like a network series, like sit down and totally. interview with somebody classy like Jim Ross. Well, we can't do that with him right now, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, I would love to see something like that. I guess that's the appeal of the Broken Skull Sessions thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. just having Austin sit there with someone. And that's still mental, the fact that Austin is the host. You know, I never imagined Austin as a host, you know? Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, I think he likes it. He feels really in his element with it. Which is good, because it's nice to see him enjoying himself. Because there was a period of time where he was going through post-wrestling career that you could see he was still itching to get back in. But now it's like, he's kind of found it and he's kind of happy. So, uh, we love Stone Cold on the show. Uh, you want to move on to a segment? Uh, yeah, but you know what segment I'm going to have to call for. Toilet break. Oh, yeah. We're back in the room, everybody, and it's time for the match of the week. Wrestling. Recommendations. Wrestling. Recommendations. Wrestling. Recommendations. Match of the week. Oh, yeah. Okay, this week, my match of the week is one from the Attitude Era, ladies and gents. And usually, or well, I should say recently... I've been talking about some things I've been watching in terms of um, some mid-2000 stuff up towards 2009, like it's been the past couple of weeks. Um, but today, or this past week, I watched an episode of Raw from November 16th, 1998. And as I said earlier on, it was the debut episode of Raw where they used that second version of that intro. Um, where oh, yeah. it was sort of remixed, not the remix song, but they used a different part of the song um, that Glenn beautifully read to you earlier. And uh, the main event of this Raw is for the WWF Championship. And this is on Raw, right? Just the random Raw, night after Survivor Series. And it's The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, the main event of WrestleMania that was coming up, previewed on Raw the previous November, the day after Survivor Series. And the reason this is my match of the week, and it's definitely nowhere near, you know, the WrestleMania matches in terms of quality. And, you know, Austin and Rock have had so many big matches. And I think of, obviously, the three WrestleMania ones, but then you look at the other pay-per-view ones. I think mm. they did one at Backlash 99. They did one at... Yep. Um, they had Intercontinental title matches before, you know, uh, one of the in-your-houses. I think it was the D-Generation X in-your-house in 97 they had one. Just I like casual they, matches, but obviously they're not just... I think, the they, all, event, they, all, I think they also main evented... Uh, I think, was it Rebellion 2001? Uh, <laughs> oh, Yeah. One of those, you know, how the WWF would do those UK only pay per views. They would never like. They would never be very good, and they'd never like sell out. You know, any seats. So, nah, yeah. I think if anyone had even been at one of those shows, you you wouldn't even want to acknowledge it, would you? I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. If someone did go to those shows, they wouldn't be talking about it all these years later. <laughs> um, so, for context, Glenn was there. Um, yeah, that was a good one, though. I think they have a good match. Do they not? Like, yeah. I remember they someone the takes like, a match. suplex on the Titantron or something, like on the stage. Yeah, we got, re- we got. Um, I can go into these stories long form if we ever do a watch along. But I remember when that Ooh. started happening in the arena, I remember getting really excited talking to Robert because we were convinced they were not only going to come, come, come into the audience, but specifically come to where we were. <laughs> just uh, just uh, like patting them on the back and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We were kidding ourselves on that we were going to, like, you know, annoy them. Or Robert, I remember, really wanted to make fun of Austin for being bald. He kept saying, he kept saying, <laughs> Well, Robert, Robert's got nice hair, doesn't he? he Robert's he got nice long hair. Lovely, long, flowing hair. 
Uh, but he kept saying, um, uh, when, like, when they come over, say, where's your hair? Say, where's your hair, Austin? <laughs> Good <laughs> one. <laughs> like, burn. <laughs> Boom, roasted. <laughs> Sadly, we, we never did get the chance to to mock Austin for his voluntary boldness, you know? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he would have been really offended. I know. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I'm never going back to Manchester. Shows up and raw the next night for that. <laughs> <laughs> to pay? No, he really like the the cut angle helmet thing when he got his head shaved. Austin would look weird at that. Um, so Austin Rock from November sixteenth, nineteen ninety eight is totally worth your time if you still have a network subscription and you haven't cancelled yours. Mm. Um, so <laughs> the reason this is my match of the week is when I say to you, like, oh, the crowd was great. In this day and age, um, when we talk about a great crowd, we're thinking about, like, people who, you know, maybe know the indies and, you know, maybe want to support the people who are underutilised. And if you get a Cesaro match or a Daniel Bryan match or something, the crowd are going to be extra buzzed. Let's say it's like Philadelphia or Chicago or something like that. A crowd that's known for being a smart crowd that will um, kind of cheer for, people who are underutilised and underrated and that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we think of a good crowd. This crowd in 1998 is not all that at all, really, because indie wrestling didn't pick up until the mid-2000s. This crowd is like a pop culture crowd that just happened to be in the arena and happened to have watched you know, wrestling for a while. And because wrestling is just so massive at this point and it's just all over television, it's the highest rated show everywhere, the crowd from start to finish don't stop making noise. It's ridiculous. I, I've, I've obviously you've been. I've seen the Ziggler Money in the Bank cash in, or the Money in the Bank 2011 crowd, where it's like the crowd is just going nuts, right? I've, this is a different kind of going nuts. I think it's like totally different. It's like the, the, there's a certain buzz about it every single time that someone was to do something, whether it would be a clothesline, a lock up, a headlock, a so a headlock takeover, shoulder block, someone goes out the ring. The simplest of stuff. People are just going absolutely mental. I couldn't believe it. I was sitting going, oh my God. Like, I can't, just the way the buzz was and just the way the, the energy in the arena and the, the the volume of the crowd. It's just, I couldn't believe it. You can hardly hear GR and King for the whole match. And Vince is at ringside because he just, the Rock just became the corporate champion and Vince is there to support the Rock. Yeah. He must have been thinking, well, this is the WrestleMania main event. You know what I mean? Just because it was like, Oh, it was crazy. It was electric. I was getting goosebumps watching it, and it was however many years ago, uh, 22 years ago now. So it is, um, it's just a mental match. The crowd are ridiculous. We will never understand what it, what wrestling felt like back then until you know you go back and watch. You can kind of get a little bit of a feel to it now, but if you were living that, where it was literally all over the newspapers, all over magazines, all over television, where it was like 10, people, 10 million people every week were watching Raw or Nitro, it was just crazy. I just couldn't believe the noise in the crowd and it makes this match so special and Rock and Austin are just working their backsides off. They have a really good TV main event and at the ending is Undertaker comes out and hits Austin in the face with a shovel which leads to their buried alive match at the following pay-per-view but just crazy and just they must have been so buzzed in the ring just hearing the crowd and feeling it and just knowing how electric it was. It's uh, totally worth the extra 10 minutes this week if you're looking for something to watch. And do you okay, remember this well, match at all? No, no I, I, I know they had a lot of lesser spoken about um, more obscure yeah. matches on TV and I, I know they crossed paths a few times as they were kind of working their way up the card at the same time but this one specifically I don't recognise like but and I can everything you describe about that audience um, I, is very familiar to me from watching stuff from that era 
you you think yep. about the fact that Rob would often come to like university campuses at that time and and do their their yeah. course arenas, and you just think the audience must have just been full of like alcohol fueled young people who were just yeah. so rowdy. Whereas now, naturally, with it being a more family orientated product, they're not really looking to promote that. You know, it's uh, you, you know if you stand up for too long an episode of Raw, now you'll be asked to sit down. Like, like you know, yeah. whereas there, like they're swinging beer. There's guys with their tops off so they can write throwing things on their throwing chest. things into the crowd and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and like, and it's just a sea of signs. You don't see a lot of signs really at wrestling shows. Not like the way you no. would back then. Um, and it was just, it was just pandemonium. But it, you know, to quote Paul Heyman when he was talking about um, ECW programming. Like you would watch it and you'd go, oh God, I'd love to be there. I'd love to take that in and yeah. And I suppose that's part totally. of it, isn't it? You know, and one of the things that people say now, you know, people who were like massive fans back in the actual era, they go, oh, I mean, they just have to get back to that time. Um, it's impossible because it's not something you just do. Like, for example, like, for, for example, even ECW in like 1999 or whatever, you can't just recreate that feeling. It was like a movement. It was like a, you, it felt as if you were in the middle of something you were a part of something if you like going to raw was cool and supporting stone cold was cool and uh even you can see austin just feeling it in this match and he's just screaming at the crowd and throwing up the middle fingers and stuff like that and then i think actually it may have been the first time that he gets a beer in the crowd a beer in the ring because he goes to the turnbuckle and he's drinking the beer and he gives one to errol hebner and hebner goes up to the turnbuckle and poses yeah. and stuff Nice. It's just like you can you can have good crowds now. Of course you can. There's been ones recently, or not really recently, but <laughs> like last year or something, you know. But it's just not the same. It's a different kind of vibe now. It's like wrestling fans go and they feel like they're owed something. Like oh, it has to be a good show. And then if it's a good show, then we'll cheer. Whereas back then you wanted to go and you wanted to make it rowdy and you wanted to make it a dangerous place to be and unpredictable, you know. Yeah, um, I kind of missed that time, but. Uh, I guess I was I was too young to to fully experience it, you know. But um, mm. I mean, you've got a couple of years on me. Did you ever feel that when you were watching the show? I know you weren't there live until Rebellion One, but even just watching the show at all, watching moments, anything you could see, I just remember it being electric, and I just you know you would just see things that you just don't get now, like. Uh, you know, you're at the main event of a Monday night, a Monday night Raw, and it gets so rowdy. And this guy in the front row is so excited that he whips his top off and starts swinging it in circles above his head because yeah. he's, he's he's riled up for the for the show. And nowadays we have like different types of chants and uh, beach balls and things that happen in rowdier crowds. But um, <laughs> yeah, beach balls. I mean, I don't know how I feel, but do you remember there was one kicking about when we were at Raw in Glasgow? Uh, was it really? Oh yeah, yeah it was. Really, it was. I, I'm ashamed to, ashamed to say I might have knocked it as well. <laughs> like, um, but you know, and it's funny how chants have certain chants have kind of gone out of fashion. Like you never heard "This is awesome" back then, and that kind of has become a mainstay now. But back then, you would get the asshole chant, which you don't get anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, no. the, do you how powerful? And I, that what was? I loved about that chant, I loved that chant because Austin and Rock, whoever was on the mic, would like grab the mic and they'd say. Uh, I don't know how good your hearing is, but you got about 15,000 people calling you an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And so, uh, you know, it's just something that we don't get anymore, really. But uh, I, don't, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. I mean, it's hard to think of it now in pandemic times, but yeah. I don't know if, you know, if there will ever be a wrestling promotion with a mainstream television presence that can have an audience like that. I think that that's very much of its time. Because even even the well, passionate the, fans of all of, all elite wrestling, like I don't even know yeah. if they would command that kind of K 
chaos, that visual chaos in the crowd that you see. Yeah. In. The closest thing that I can think of with AEW was the first show they did, Double or Nothing, in 2019. Um, where it was just everybody was so ready, it was so excited, and then that the Cody and Dustin had that match, and Dustin lost about a gallon of blood, and we had not we hadn't seen a match like that in years, and the crowd was just all of them were just sitting with their mouths open, just just in awe of this match, and then after they had the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros had this amazing tag match, and then Jericho and Omega had the match, and that was the closest, of, and then Moxley came in and debuted. That was the closest thing I can think of in terms of really recent wrestling that the crowd was just buzzed the whole show, you know. Mm. Um, that's probably the closest thing but I mean there's good crowds I'm not saying there's no good crowds anymore but some of the chants are just sad now you know what I mean the you you deserve it chant and all that stuff like it just it makes me it makes me cringe I don't know why I don't know I mean it's a nice chant I suppose but it's just the way it's done and I, I don't know I just don't like them anymore but again back then in the late 90s if that was the chant it would be so loud <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and you would you would just feel it you know um, so I don't know. Listen to us as if we're old timers. We were we were still wee boys at the time, but you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's yeah. nice to kind of look back and, and and kind of be envious of that time, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't actually remember the Rebellion One crowd being that, you know, wild. It was just it was loud, but you know the crowd seemed to be quite attentive to the the action in the ring. The most annoying thing about those UK pay-per-views are the, are the flipping air horns that people used to bring I was to just, I was just thinking about it. I was about to say, yeah, it's like the worst part of those pay-per-views. <laughs> 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 nah, nah, Austin. Like, nobody would do it. Like, it would maybe the first couple of times, but God, it was, I remember being annoyed by that at the show. Like, yeah, <laughs> and I wanted to know who brings that in and who has the goal and the confidence and the brand to do that with somebody right next to them going Austin <laughs> can you imagine if we were doing that at WWE Live in November 15 those two kids next to us would have grabbed the air horn they would have thrown them away they would have pushed us down the stairs and would have just said oh well you obviously don't belong here because you're not a real wrestling fan John Cena sucks <laughs> Either that or much like my experiences with my New Day unicorn horn in 2016, they would have just nicked it since I'm, I've still have a habit of uh, having stuff stolen from me at live events. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how, oh, when, when the pandemic's over, we need to go back to some more wrestling events and we need to start making some more memories. Aye. Now you've went and bought a house. <laughs> I know, right, dudes, I'm sorry. Like, I'll need to be really sparing with that. But no, nah, I can still do it. I do have a job and a salary, so it's not going to be impossible. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm just saying, like, I know you've bought a house and stuff, you got a family and stuff, priorities, that's all I'm saying. Um, and speaking of that, I'd be thankful for you to have your priorities straight and uh, pay 80 quid to go and sit in front row at a show instead of, you know, the rent. So uh, have you got anything to be thankful for this week? <laughs> thankful for your crappy segues. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favourite parts of the whole podcast, by the way. Trying to copy segues. Dude, uh, can you hear this? This is paper. Right, and I've written this down. I have not written something down for this podcast ever. Uh, oh wow! This uh, I do stuff on my phone every now and then, but like I have written down, I, I've scribbled this down in advance for this. So I will elaborate on it after the jingle. What I'm thankful for in wrestling this week. Oh yeah. So. <clears throat> <laughs> I, I gave this a wee bit of thought. I couldn't, you know, because I've, I've kind of distanced myself from wrestling over the last couple of weeks with The Last of Us Part 2 and with buying a house and everything. Uh, no, I... I, d- I decided to go with 
uh, something which is a bit more like you know, it's just it's there in my memory. It's not something I've been coming across a lot recently, but I think about it a lot. And it's wrestling appearances in the media. Um, okay. The first thing that came to mind was the Weakest Link episodes of the WWF special. Oh. Have you ever seen them? Oh my god! I was I was sick from school one day. Like I was off sick. And yeah. that episode was on Sky One. It was almost as if like the gods knew I was off, and I was watching <laughs> Sky One. <laughs> but there's um, there's two. They they did two different episodes. There's there because there's, right. there's so Kane wins one of them, doesn't he? <laughs> He's full of tire. <laughs> Kane, and so we had Robinson has banner with him. That's an ugly Kane. <laughs> Do you always wear that outfit? <laughs> Oh man! Uh, oh god, Mayor Jacobs, eat your heart out. Um, I know. And uh, and it's the way that like Austin and Deborah were on one, and every time she would come around to Austin, like so, folks, if you don't know the Weakest Link game show, it's not. I don't think it's on telly anymore. But uh, you're you're standing in a circle, and Anne Robinson, the host, is in the center in a wee podium, and she rotates and faces different people and asks them a question one after another. I think- I think it's a great concept and the whole banking thing and you bank the money. I think it's brilliant. I love it. I did enjoy it, yeah. But then, like, but every time she went to Austin, she would go, Stone Cold. <laughs> Stone Cold, that's right. Steve or Austin or anything like that. Stone Cold. Uh, my favourite one was, um, my favourite one was, uh, Bubba. <laughs> Bubba. <laughs> I remember, uh, Lita writing in her autobiography how much she hated that experience and she hated doing things like that and she hated how Anne Robinson would just have a go at her for her tattoo. Do you remember? That's I right. That's right. She really resented that. So, there was, like I say, there was two Weakest Link episodes and I know Kane won one of them. I don't remember who won the other one though. It might have been Bubba Ray Dudley. I'm not. No, I'm not no, sure. it's Triple H, I'm sure. Triple H. Was it? Oh, because they did not come yeah. down to Triple H and Stephanie. Yeah, yeah. And remember, uh, someone said. Oh, I think Anne says something to you. Something about Stephanie's breasts or something. She just got them done. Remember? That's terrible, isn't it? I know. On like national television. Things times have changed. Jericho that. that was twenty years ago. Like, <laughs> um, and so there's. You know, I mentioned how Lita didn't enjoy that, but Lita also mentioned going on. And I think you're maybe a bit too young for this to remember this, but there there was a sat like a weekday morning. Uh, breakfast show on channel four in the uk called the big breakfast and it ran in the in the 90s uh and so it would be on at the same time as like um bbc breakfast and and gmtv which is now um good morning britain uh and so it would be your kind of alternative breakfast program and when i was a wee boy in primary school my dad would always have that on in the mornings when we were getting ready for school and every night whenever they were in town for um insurrection and, and was it rebellion the other show that they would do in the uk whenever they were in the i don't UK, know i really don't yeah, know yeah <laughs> whenever they're in the uk for a tour there is always more often than not a wrestler on the big breakfast and for anyone who doesn't know like the big breakfast was filmed like in a in a real house which um i think actually burned down recently oh, really? until recently it was it was still standing uh, which channel 4 just bought or rented out to produce that program in, in like a town like somewhere in england uh with a garden and stuff and they would broadcast from this house uh, and so th- I remember watching one episode with my brother with the rock and the big show on it. And like, it was like, but big show still had this long hair. So it was like kind of early big show. Wow. Um, I remember watching Kurt Angle put somebody in a suplex or like an ankle lock o- on a crash mat in the back garden of the house. One episode, um, Matt Hardy and Lita were on one as well. Uh, so the, 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 quite a few wrestlers showed up, but 
it was weird because at that time the WWF was in its boom period, but it still, and I suppose to an extent still is, it was one of those things that despite its popularity, despite those amazing crowds that you describe, you know, there were still far like loads and loads of people who just didn't get it. And often that would become obvious in these sort of shows. Um, Anne Robinson was clearly having a bit of a fun with all these ridiculous larger than life people and the weakest link. But on some of these other TV shows, you you could tell the, you know, these presenters, you know, are more used to interviewing actors or musicians. Uh, And so to have a wrestler on, it's quite an obscure thing. I'll give you another example. I remember watching a, uh, like a Saturday morning, like kind of, I think it was like a CBBC sort of program, you know, like like that would be on around the same time as um, Blue Peter or, you know, one of these other sort of kids sort of teenager shows, you know, the kind of I'm talking right, about. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember like it was coming up to the end credits. And so the presenter um, was like, OK, thanks, everyone. That was good. We've we've had, um, you know, busted on this week. And next week we've got so and so we've got McFly coming in and we've got WWE stunt his name is Steve Austin coming in. So that will be good. And we'll see you next week. So I thought, what what has gone on in his briefing sheet? What is a WWE stunt? And his <laughs> name is Steve Austin. <laughs> Why is he questioning that? Um, I, like, and there was always, and then when I was like, uh, like ten or eleven on Saturday mornings on BBC or, or I forget what channel it was, but there was the Saturday show, and it was like where Fern Cotton and Holly Willoughby kind of got their first big TV breaks. And they were right, the presenters yeah, yeah. on it. That wasn't the only reason why I watched the show, but I remembered like they they had a few <laughs> like um like stars on. Uh, I remember once uh, Nydia being a guest on it, and really. Uh, they, made her try and put a sleeping bag in a back in his case uh, under 10 conditions that was entertainment for you to watch nydia in her like nydia kind of wrestling gear uh, i was gonna say was she like all gimmicked up she was all gimmicked up but she wouldn't speak with a southern accent and the thing about that was oh. that they, they ran this competition that you could um if you won the con you phoned in on this live tv and if you won the contest Nydia would record a voicemail message for your phone so that when somebody phoned you, it'd be like Nydia going, hey, it's the WWE's Nydia, you know, like, leave a message. Uh, and yeah. so she did it for the person, but she just did it in her normal kind of voice. So she didn't go, hey, it's Nydia, and I'm here with Jamie Noble. <laughs> That's what you want. But she just went, hey, this yeah. is Nydia. I'm clearly jet lag. <laughs> if you don't leave a message, I'm going to come and kick your ass. And she just seems so <laughs> despondent. I also remember they had puppets on that show. Uh, Tiny and Mr. Duck, and one episode they had DDP on, and uh, they they started throwing these random questions at DDP, also in his gear. Uh, and one of the, one of the the, the the duck puppet just asked him, "Have you ever eaten a table?" And at that moment, Diamond Dallas's page's face just had this blank expression, as if to say, "What am I doing? Who yeah, <laughs> Have you ever eaten a Wait, table?" Yeah, so uh, I just uh, you know, and obviously there's famous examples, isn't there? There's like the Undertaker and Vader, like abroad in that. Oh yeah, where, right. where they ask him about being fake, uh, and Vader does not take the question well. Whereas Undertaker kind of keeps the school, but uh, it's uh, right. it, so I just think it's funny because wrestling, for as big and as mainstream and popular as it is, it can still seem really weird and niche to an outsider, and you really see that play out. Sometimes you see snobbishness, you know. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a great YouTube clip of Hulk Hogan on Lorraine Kelly in the 1980s. Uh, <laughs> of course there is. And Lorraine just goes, so Hulk, it's a new just called kid on. 
Jesus. <laughs> You're a lovely in Kelly. Oh, you know. I know. Oh god. Recently in terms of that, so when Drew McIntyre won the WWE title, right? It was a it was a very happy moment. And uh, Drew is known as a Rangers fan here in Glasgow. Uh, so anytime that Drew would do something or if he was ever wearing the Rangers top, he would like post a picture and tag them or whatever, right? So when he won the title, the official Rangers Twitter account said, oh, congratulations to the big man finally winning the title. And then like the blue love heart or whatever. Mm. And then like everybody in the comments was like, why are people acting as if this is pure real? It's 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 so, what a disgrace to the sport and everything. And I was like, why do people like not, first of all, I can't believe it's 2020 and folks still don't get it. Um, yeah. But also, like, why why do they care? Do you know what I mean? People just get so hostile about it. I know. I I, I remember. Uh, it might have been. It was one of the hydro ones where, like, we had really kind of nosebleed seats, and it might be. Oh, I know what you're going to say here. Together. And so I got in a taxi, and I think I was coming to meet you. Oh. Uh, and uh, I, because I met you outside the venue for one of the right. house shows. I got in this taxi and this guy was like, oh, where are you going? Going to Hydro, what's on tonight? It's WWE wrestling, you know? And he's like, oh, mate, seriously? I think it's all a big con, by the way. Don't think it's AI. <laughs> and, like, and I thought, I can do two things here. I can either just, uh, you know, explain to him that it is what it is and it's, you know, we know it's entertainment and that's not, you know, we're not going in to see a legit sports show. Or I could be shocked and I went for the latter. And I, 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 I kind of kidded on that he was, you know, ruining my fandom by really? just like, you know, telling you the truth about Santa Claus, you know what I mean? And ruins Christmas for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's like, no, no, surely not. Surely not. <laughs> I had an old driving instructor who asked me, like, what I was doing tonight. And I said, oh, I'm going to go watch the wrestling from last night. And he went, oh, are you into all that? Aye. And I was like, eh, yeah. I said, did you ever watch it when you were younger? And he went, eh, I, uh, I used to watch it when I was a boy, but oh, it could just get too fake for me. Like, how did it get too fake? <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> like, brilliant. originally, it started the same way. But what I don't understand about, about as you put it, outsiders, which I love, not Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, but <laughs> normal folk, uh, I love people who aren't fans, is that they think that, like, when, when, you, when you're a wrestling fan, they go, why do you watch that? Like, when it's clearly not real. But what you don't understand is that WWE aren't trying to kid you on. Do you know what no, I mean? Like, WWE I mean, openly will say at the start of every show, you know, this isn't what it's supposed to be and it's entertainment and they're here to entertain you and make you smile. But for some reason, people obviously, because they don't, you know, they don't watch it, they've not learned a lot about it and stuff like that. And that's fine. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to judge someone for talking about something they don't know much about. But um, when people try and, like, explain it to you and try and break it to you and try to, like, be condescending because, oh, by the way, it's all fake. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not as if it's like a secrecy thing anymore, you know? I know, and it hasn't been for, for decades. I mean, decades no, on decades. <laughs> they, and even even when they, you know how people talk about how kayfabe died, you know, when McMahon said it was entertainment. But the thing is, people pretty much knew that it was a work back, you know, the, the people misrepresent the, the how wrestling was received in the 20th century. People will have you believe that when San Martino was selling at Madison Square Garden, that they went to see a real fight and they, but yeah, it was even though they would never admit it, the company didn't admit it. It was widely known that it was a work because think about it. How else could other people get into work in wrestling? You know, if they didn't, exactly. if it wasn't known that it was a work, how could people train to be wrestlers? So, like, it has been known to be a stage thing since for 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 easily a century, and it's just become more public mainstream. You know, coming from the horse's mouth in the last fifty to yeah. sixty years but you know it's funny and i just always like to respond with the classic you know when they say oh, don't you know it's fake and i was like well I, I, you know. 
Oh, sorry, watch you can bleep that out, Chris. Um, yeah, you know, so is EastEnders. I'm starting to yeah. think that may not be fake as well. That might be fake. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Yeah. You, actually, now I think about it, maybe there wasn't a Demogorgon in Stranger Things. Maybe that was actually an effect. You know, oh my God. Game of Thrones maybe? Ga- well. Game of Thrones, that's what I was going to oh. say, yeah. <laughs> Do you tell me that dragons weren't, you know, flying about, you know, the, the medieval times? Uh, it just, it doesn't, you know, it, it's... That again, always, like, it, what you were saying there about, like, the, the Vader and Undertaker thing when they were in Kuwait, and the guy was like, this is not all a real fake, uh, real. Uh, that was a good impression there. Oh, my God. Mm. Uh, and, and, like, Vader kind of goes mental. Like, even just that, the presenter saying that is what we're trying to make make the point of here. Like, the, pre- the presenter shouldn't need to go, well, by the way, I think it's all fake. Like, even in 97, when that happened, like, Vince had already, or he was about to make that mad speech, how it was, you know, yeah. the cure for the, whatever it is, the cure for the common fan or something. Um, and he tries to say, oh, it's no longer going to be good guys versus bad guys. You know, uh, that's like the first time I guess he said it, but I, I don't yeah. know. It's like he took the company public and he did WrestleMania and all that stuff. And Hulk Hogan was teaming with Mr. T, Mr. T, an actor. Do you think he would have went into mm. WrestleMania and fought a wrestler who was apparently real? Oh, it grinds my gears sometimes. Hey, you know what really grinds my gears? No, that was Kermit the Frog. <laughs> that was Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it, Peter Griffin. <laughs> my favorite my favorite moment from that Weakest Link episode of WWE is when she go Anne Robinson goes to Stone Cold and she goes, uh, "What do you, what are you known for?" And Austin just goes, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, "Yes, Austin." And there was like, "Do you ever watch Fear Factor?" Oh yeah, and they had the Hardy Boys on it. The Hardys was on it, and Jeff like did a swanton off the top of a ladder in the water, and I was like, "Oh, there's Jeff." And I remember like uh, Matt Hardy couldn't do some of the tasks because he's got like these weird legs. <laughs> <laughs> when he bends his knees, they go kind of horizontal instead of just down the way. You know, so that, Joe Rogan, the host, was like, "Mad Hardy's legs is going to hurt. It's going to hurt him here." Yeah, they they wrote about that in their autobiography and how they didn't like it because at that point they'd planned the Hardy Boys breakup in late two thousand and one, but they hadn't filmed oh, right. in the plan, so they wouldn't let them stand near each other when they were filming because, well, at the time of filming, they were still of a course. team. So yeah. they, they did not enjoy that at all. But uh, yeah, Fear Factor was a bizarre program. But I, I enjoyed I like Fear it Factor. back in the day. You know, it, yeah. was, uh, it was cool to see the WWF wrestlers. His name is Steve Austin. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, sometimes I can't watch these live sort of appearances because it just makes me slap my forehead. But Oh, here, have you ever yeah. watched the, the Louis Theroux documentary? No, I was told to and I never oh done it. Oh my God, Chris Moffat, have you not watched that? Mate, go get a knife player. <laughs> it's so good. My, you know, every Louis Theroux documentary, I don't know if you've seen much of his stuff, but uh, a lot. every documentary ends the same way. My time with the wrestlers was coming to an end. Um, and he, like, it's just so, like, English is the best way I can put it. Aye. Like, to learn more, I wanted to go to where the big dogs play, the WCW. And it's like, <laughs> he goes up to, like, um, people, he's so sheepish. He's like, um, excuse me, um, Goldberg, can can I have a conversation with you? <laughs> uh, Is this back it, in the nineties? I thought it was like a recent thing. No, no, no. It was uh, it was like it was during the Monday Night Wars because he goes backstage really? on the nature and he talks to Piper and Savage and Goldberg, and uh, he has a really, really unfortunate experience visiting the power plant as well. You have to watch it. It's really quite. It's really quite something. Um, 
so yeah i would i would do it and he, he talks to like independent it's, it's really it's up there beyond the map but it never got the same attention because it was, wasn't a cinematic thing it was made for the bbc yeah so i think it's um, on netflix and iplayer you should definitely check it out okay hello yeah sounds good that way i mean i was speaking to my mate the other day and he was wanting to show his girlfriend wrestling for the first time um, so he showed her the 2020 Royal Rumble match, and I thought that was a great suggestion. That's a, yeah, that's a great. You get to, I mean, it's such a great match, and like the story's so good. But you get to introduce yourself to other characters and stuff. And then he said, "What documentary should I should I show her?" And I was like, "I don't know really, because I feel like it's not the documentaries that WWE produce aren't necessarily to educate people. You know what I mean? It's like just to kind mm. of have a, a retrospective on something. So I suggested the the last ride." And uh, the true story of WrestleMania would be a good one. But then I was thinking, what about wrestling with shadows? Wouldn't that be a yeah. really good introduction, like showing how, how real wrestling can be? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a work of art. That documentary, and it's sad because you come out of it thinking you just want to say to Brett, "You know what, mate? You're taking it a bit too I seriously. I know you're proud of what you do, and nobody nobody takes anything away from you. But like, it's you know, that's a dark watch at times. I know. The, that thing that in his house, that that thing that that mechanical. That's right. What is that? That's horrifying. I don't know. It's crazy. Time. Just by you saying that thing, I knew exactly what you're talking about. But it's like uh, the filmmaker, whatever his name was, must have think like must have been laughing when the screw job happened because no. he's got all this footage. Like it's just what I oh my god. And I think he made a lot of money off that thing. So like the filmmaker, not just Brett. So um yeah, it shows that you need to kind of um need to take these chances and if you can make a documentary, then you can be successful in that field. And if you can make a podcast work then you can be successful in that field too. And I've had a great time speaking to my good close personal friend, Glenn, today That's about me. some more wrestling chat. Um, until next time, ladies and gents, thank you very much for listening. This has been a, a very nonchalant, chilled episode with no real theme. Uh, we, we blabbered on a lot more than we expected to in this episode, but that's fine. That's what we do here. We like to shoot the breeze, the Tyler breeze. Um, so <laughs> any last words for the listeners now that you've bought a house? Test, test. This is a test. That was before we started recording, but basically we filmed up with the no, test. No one's going to get that. <laughs> but uh, basically, folks, my last words are: go and listen to Test's theme. It's awesome. And try and guess what they say, and then you, if it, if you can write it down in a poem, you know, like like the raw theme that Glenn read out, you can read it back to us, and you can let us know what Test's theme song said. That'd be yeah. really nice. Do a yes. dramatic reading of a wrestling theme song. <laughs> yeah, that's the test. Okay, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, you can get us on social media, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at WrestleConnect1, and Instagram is at WrestleConnection. Please contact us on there, get in touch, let us know what you thought of the show. And until next time, ladies and gents, thanks very much for listening. My name is Chris, this is Glenn. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you all next time.